You're listening to the Journey to Impact Fireside Chat Series with Gino Borges, curator of the Poetry of Impact, a platform for supporting the collective inquiry into deep impact. As a part of the Poetry of Impact, the Journey to Impact podcast brings to life the ebb and flow inherent on the path of impact, illuminating the interior journey of the hearts and minds of today's top leaders in impact. Here, you'll hear the intimate stories of those who push forward to overcome self-limitations and societal barriers, to co-create a world where one day all people and planet can thrive together. Hi, I'm Gino Borges, curator of the Journey to Impact series. Joining us today is Lisa Rinstrom. Lisa is the co-founder of Values Advisors, which connects investors with value-aligned financial expertise. She's also on the board of Fresh Farm, Eco America, Confluence, Philanthropy, and Divest America. She's also an RSF, social finance ambassador. But in general, what Lisa loves and is most passionate about is accelerating the transition to a sustainable and equitable economy. Lisa is also a member of Tonic, a global network of impact investors that invest in positive social and environmental change. And I'm proud to announce that this conversation with Lisa is brought to you as a part as part of a partnership between Poetry of Impact and Tonic. Welcome, Lisa. Hey, Gino. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, thank you, hey, Sian. I mean, thank you so much. I mean, uh, Lisa, I've known you for now at least close to five years, and and you're a very well respected person in the field, and one that's really known for giving so much heart and so much time and so much energy to. Um, starting projects and like incubating projects and being at the forefront of things that are common like 10 years later. But before we get there, I want to ask you like, I mean, what was sort of the enabling event for you actually to be in position, to be an impact investor, to be at scale and to be able to sort of take on this uh, mission aligned focused with or mission aligned focus with money? Um, yeah, well, so Gino, let's see that's, um, like the Genesis story. Um, huh. My, um, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, um, and my father invented the hair curler. <laughs> so I grew up in this, uh, this wonderful, magical, weird um, environment. Um, we traveled to our homes in Canada and Mexico in our Learjet um, um, we called that a little bitty jet after, because the president LBJ was, um, at the, was president at the time. Uh-huh. Um, but as I said, my father invented and commercial modern hair curler, but when he died of heart failure in 79 at 79, I was 21 and I became executor of his estate. Um, he had played and invested really hard so the $40 million that he had um, sold Tip Top Hair Products for um, um, was focused when he died in two small hotels and a shopping center in Acapulco, Mexico. So um, at 23, I moved to Mexico to salvage the hotels. And I, I say salvage because there was a lot of issues. And I had a lot of adventures there, um, including, and I know you like this story. Um, <laughs> I do. It's pretty good. Uh, six months in prison as part of the legal battles um, with uh, the Mexican nationals over the hotel's ownership. 
Um, it was like a roller coaster economy uh, with 130% inflation, severe um, currency devaluation, declining tourism, start of the, the safety issues in Mexico. And the, the good adventures were that I had a beautiful daughter and an awesome team of employees, and I made a lot of life, lifelong friends there. But um, fast forward, 10 years after he died, I sold the hotel, settled the estate, and I netted $7 million. So it's that $7 million that gives me now the privilege and responsibility to be an impact investor. But what's it, like what like what in particular? Because I'm guessing that there was no sort of intentionality around uh, hair curling technologies, um, and there's probably no little intentionality around the kinds of hotels. And, and I could be mistaken on this, but I mean, what in you said um, you know I want to do something positive with uh, the resources? Oh, I, I, you know, I've been asked that question a lot, you know, and I wish I had like, oh my God, there was this event or there was this sparkling moment. And I, it, um, I just can't imagine operating in any other way. I mean, you, you, you go, it's, if you don't align your actions, my father used to say, actions speak louder than words. And if you don't align them with your core values, um, you get really messed up and you, you know, your life is full of dissonance. And so um, I worked, um, I was president of the National Sierra Club um, and worked with the club for a decade. And so my environmental and climate change advocacy movement building self is maybe the roots of that came from, you know, the, be li living on a farm, um, growing up with animals and nature. I don't know, but um, the caring for the planet and each other is just, is just really core. Um, and, I, and I am now driven to um, help people align money with their values um, so that so that we can get, it just, it feels like it'll get everything else aligned too. <laughs> that um, money can be the root of all evil and it can do great things. Um, and, and it, and um, uh, so my, my, as I, as I said to you before we started this, uh, I feel like the six, my sixties um, are, is my decade to help people invest in alignment. Yeah. It's the so world I, that they want to see. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you're, and you're not referring to the 1960s. I mean, you're- No, I'm trying to, my 60s. Your 60s, gotcha. So, I mean, I love this emphasis on care and which, I mean, seems to run through a lot of you as a person and then through a lot of your work. And then, uh, you know, there's a fair amount of talk and conversation going around on like what a care economy looks like. And to me, your incubation of values advisor is really sort of a clear example of caring for some, you know, caring for something much larger than, than yourself. Because I mean, this essentially is a nonprofit platform from my understanding that you put an enormous amount of work in to an enormous amount of energy and thought 
and teaming up people and working on partnerships and so forth. Uh, was there anything in particular in your own life where you realized a part of dissidence where you were shopping for advisors and just felt unsatisfied that actually led to like, and heard it from others as well. And like, I want to do something about it. Um, at, yes, two, two, actually now I can point to two exact things. <laughs> One of them was, um, I worked with Ellen Dorsey and the Wallace Global Fund and, uh, many other partners on the Divest Invest campaign. Um, we started with 17 foundations and asked them to divest from the top 200 fossil fuel companies. <clears throat> and they, those 17 foundations um, launched or, 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 or created the, the, the kernel after which um, billions of dollars have committed and have moved out of the out of the fossil fuel um, investments. And, um, and um, I personally spoke with hundreds of people because I, after we worked with the foundations, we launched a campaign to engage people. And we started with people who had, um, who were high net wealth people. And we continued to work with Main Street trying to enable people to get their 401ks or their whatever their um, funds with their companies were invested out of fossil fuels so they wouldn't be holding the bag of the stranded assets. But um, a lot of those people that I convinced later on came back to me and they said, this is great, Lisa. I, I have committed and now I've spoken to my advisor, I've spoken to my HR department and they have no clue how to invest fossil free. Mm. So I had this Excel spreadsheet and um, I would give them that. And it was pathetic <laughs> and it didn't help much. So values advisor is, is sort of the, the Excel spreadsheet in a, in a glorious, elegant fashion. Uh -huh. um, and that's number one. Number two is I was shifting advisors and I sent out um, RFPs requests for proposals. And I was wanted to get, um, and it was just an arduous long process that I thought could be, you know, why is this so? Why, if you can find um, an, uh, a room to stay in in Istanbul, or you can find a new date on match.com, why can't, why can't, and those are really important, you know, finding a, finding a partner is important. <laughs> so why can't we create a high trust uh, platform mm -hmm. that um, does all the things that you want it to and takes the first 30 hours out of, out of the, the journey what, to what, what is always a, a difficult or hard or important, an important process um, so that once you find a new advisor, you hope to be with them for decades. You know what I love about the Values Advisor is um, it's a very fluid platform, uh, by the way, and, and I know it's went through a lot of iterations. And so I really congratulate you on, on working through that. But really what sticks out to me is, is that you and your team must have spent an enormous amount of time um, encouraging these advisors to actually put their humanity on like as part of their bio. And because each time I read a new advisor, 
it was very distinct and, you know, a description of an advisor and the questions that you asked them to reply to. I felt like each one was uniquely different, which in, in large part, um, I think that's a byproduct of you saying, look, for, for these relationships to really manifest, we really have to know who we're talking to, not only advisor, uh, but also set the table like on how deep you have to actually go and to, to get beyond the transactional part of the experience. Can you talk a little bit about how you sort of got there and, and I mean, how that process has been, perhaps it's been quite messy and um, straining at times as well, I'm guessing. I'm so, I'm, I'm just like so glad you, 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 you heard that or see that or sense that because yeah, there were, I don't know how many, I guess hundreds of man hours, women hours spent uh, with the first 60 questions and then reducing it to 40, then going back up to 60 and ensuring that, that the questions that the financial advisors answered elicited um, both quantitative data for the person who whose brain works that way and then qualitative so that you can get the fit and the personality. Uh, so, so it sounds, you know, um, yes, that is what we sought to do. The first pilot uh, was designed for for an audience of two with the assets of two to twenty million. The second <clears throat> version, the, the current version that we launched with Tonic, the audience is of five to a hundred million. So we shifted some of those questions to accommodate uh, that new expansion of the audience, both um, assets under management and um, we, we also went into an, an international markets or international um, people living outside the United States. So uh, we all, and then, and then last I'd say the other goal was we wanted the answers to the questions to do their own vetting of the advisor. So on values advisor, you have to be put forward by um, a membership organization, an affinity group such as Tonic. Um, and then we, you have to meet our criteria, but, but we want the answers themselves to be the be the vetting process so that a person let's say which is not going to happen but let's say that there is um abc financial advisor who sees that gosh there's a lot of hap stuff happening in this impact market i'm going to hang my shield up in that and he gets recommended by somebody to be on values advisor and we don't look at his background and we don't, he doesn't, we don't realize that he passes our criteria. <clears throat> His answers to the questions would inherently show that he's a charlatan. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, 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 um, the passion that many of these, that the advisors who are on the platform have for this field is we hope, we, we hope that the questions we ask brings forth their their passion and their um, unique skills. Yep. 
Yeah, you saw it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it the the reason why I think it's uh, stuck out for me is because it's what I refer to as um, the dialectic between the poetry of grammar and the, or excuse me, the poetry of impact and the grammar of impact. So, I mean, the grammar is this quantitative metric side, um, which which would typically sort of be the leading. Uh, way of understanding an advisor and his or her firm, but you went one extra step and incorporated, integrated in a in a rather seamless way um, their contribution to the poetry of impact as well. Like what makes them in particular uh, unique? Like what makes Brent Kessel unique? What makes Gita Ayer unique? Um, and all told. What that leads to is an authentic version of one's whole self as as somebody who is presenting themselves to uh, you know the world of advising and vice versa. Somebody who's interested in it because here's the thing: most people in impact come at this, and part of the reason why we're sitting here talking right now, part of the impetus for for these podcast interviews that focus on the journey to impact, is people are actually people start with the poetry side of things and then back into the grammar is in essence, like I didn't start off with the grammar. I started off, you know, many years ago when I heard Joel Solomon sharing his story, it's like, wow, if he can do that, I wonder what I can do with my own life. And then I learned about all of, you know, ESG categories and metrics and return yields and impact yields and all the different conversations related to impact. But it wasn't the inspiration that, you know, it, it, the quantitative side didn't lead to the inspiration and the ongoing sustenance. And hence, that's why I was really moved by, by, by what you did. And it really actually was very unexpected when I started reading this, I was like, wow, this is a whole nother level of depth that, um, that I didn't anticipate at all. Well, I, I, I'm, um, thank you. Thank you. You really are making, um, I'll, I'll, I started with though the grammar of impact. When I came when I came back from Mexico, I just I, I was a finance major and I and at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, fondly called then the University of No Opportunity. I'm sure it is not it's it's changed, but it's, it was it was a great school. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, I came back from Mexico and um, decided that I needed to up my knowledge. And so I began this chartered finance CFA um, accreditation. So I took level one of the CFA test and I passed by the skin of my teeth um, and then realized like, I hate this. (laughs) And it wasn't until I um, um, engaged with an advisor who took me to the first SRI in the Rockies, first for me, but this was like in the early 90s. So it was yeah. in the beginning. And all of a sudden, like I heard the poetry. Yeah. And, uh, it was it was like, oh, well, maybe I, maybe I do want to mm-hmm. uh, pay attention here because there's, there's a reason beyond whether you make 12% or 13% or 17% or 6%. I mean, uh, which really hadn't, I had no, I just, I was not motivated by those differences in percentage points. Um, I was really motivated 
by uh, the power um, that money as an energy, you know, as a, as a piece of, as an energy source can have for, for making good things happen. Yeah. Where do you see the evolution of values advisors going? You know, I mean, there's always sort of that tension between where you're at in terms of the, the mechanics and working through iterations and then the vision um, that comes out of being immersed in something so in-depthly. And so it's a toggling back and forth. I mean, where, like, I mean, where, where does your, your vision sort of suggest that it might go? Well, wh one thing we have committed to, I've got this great, team, small team, um, that we've committed to is not get ahead of ourselves. And so we put one foot in front of the other and do um, the next most important thing. The next most important thing is, is next year doing campaign. And I, I don't know if this is what will ignite, but I hope I, 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 in my dreams it is the invest side of divest invest and that 20 plus affinity groups of people um and and we're starting with high net wealth um because because it's a concentrated group um we it's really important to to include and move into um, Main Street, but just like you know, Tesla built the first fancy car, and then they're moving into cars that are much more um, for everybody and affordable. But next year is a campaign where twenty plus affinity groups all engage their membership, and we move thousands of of people into this conversation. And people who need to move to a new advisor do so. And people who want to cause their existing advisor to understand and move into impact. And that we, all this money that was divested from the fossil fuel industry now really aggressively and excitedly moves into the UN Sustainability Development Goals and moves into financing the world we want to see. I love that idea, Lisa, of focusing on the next important thing. I was curious about the feedback loop that you have set up with the advisors. Um, it seems like they would be able to give uh, like a constant or be a great channel um, in terms of improving future iterations and shaping your campaigns. I mean, how, how, how have you guys sort of devised sort of the ecosystem, the communication ecosystem amongst the, the clients and the advisors to give the platform feedback itself? Yeah. You know, I mean, this is totally inside baseball, Gino, but um, I, I was talking this morning um, to one of the, financial advisors on the platform align. And I was asking how, what, what would be the maximum amount of advisors that are like you that we could have on the platform such that it would, it would be instead of a you know, B Corp or, 
or nonprofit, it would be a, a its own um, sort of C6 affinity group. And I, when I when I lived in Mexico, I was on the board of the of small luxury hotels of the world, and we had uh, I was on the um, international board, and I created the the Mexican collection of SLH hotels, and we paid them fifteen thousand dollars a year for them to market us in their SLH book and have that book in every hotel, <clears throat> in every room of every hotel around the world. The affinity, so when you say, when you say, I'm, this is a long way of, of, of answering what is the feedback loop from the financial advisors. Um, values advisors needs, you know, has, has the user as the client, has the field, and the, the moving the steel forward as a client, and it has the financial advisors as a client. Like those are the three. So, so what, what, makes, what makes the financial advisors successful um, and what, how they want to see the platform is very important, mm -hmm. um, as is how to make it um, frictionless, fun, and easy for the user, and then how to also, you know, maintain the integrity for the field. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you find sort of larger conversations, not just, uh, you know, advisors meeting people to, um, you know, allocate wealth, but are these advisors and do you hear, do you overhear sort of conversations, more sort of existential, um, life, life balance type of questions about like, what's enough, um, you know, sort of what's enough, um, are we doing the right thing, uh, exploring intentionality, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, like sort of take us beyond the world of grammar of impact and what are you overhearing? Like, I mean, what are people really yearning for beyond the grammar? I mean, like, where does it really stick with people's like, yes, I want to do this because you helped me address this darn question about like, what's enough? I inherited X from a, from a family that was, you know, in oil and gas. I'm obviously not interested in perpetuating that system, but yet I have, you know, I, I have family issues. Um, you know, you know, I mean, just a whole concoction of circumstance that actually sometimes comes with um, wealth holders who want to live intentionally. Um, I, I really love those conversations um, and I'm having them not within the values advisor realm, but within an effort led by Ellen Remmer called Invest for Better. And there's about 50 circles with a, um, in the U.S. of women. They're all women. Um, and we are, we are discussing um, how to align our... How we, I'm co-leading that with this wonderful young woman in her early 20s. Um, who works at Deloitte, uh, and she and I were just paired together. I didn't know her before, but so we have this circle of women who are 
who we just invited, and this is what we're talking about. We're taking six months and to develop our investment policy statements and our the women in our circle are it's a it's a it's a lovely variety young middle older um different um nationalities and colors and we are we kind of all have different needs <coughs> um but we are those conversations about taking like your aspirational, what I hope, what I want my money to do in the world, um, including taking care of my, me when, I'm, when I can't take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and to then, what, how do you actually implement that if you have $30,000, $300,000, 3 million or 30 million? So that's our framework for these discussions. And uh, uh, I, I, they're just their resource generation, which is the you know a you a, a affinity group for for the a gener the new newer generation, and they talk a lot about how much is enough, how much is too much, how do I get rid of too much, what is, and it's. It's a it's a conversation that I think is going to start moving into um, many many pockets, and I hope um, all generations. Yeah. Well, we're actually coming down to um, the last few minutes here, Lisa, in our discussion. But I wanted to give you the opportunity for um, we uh, bounced around from your uh, enabling event down in Mexico to uh, Values Advisor to this last um, sort of chapter in regards to uh, the more existential questions and um, this group that you're helping called, was that invest with better? Was that, or invest better? Invest, um, invest for better. Invest for better. (laughs) I I almost, I almost uh, misinterpreted that as invest for butter, which like I would definitely invest for butter. I like butter, but uh, (laughs) you're saying better. and I would like sort of sort of like to give you the last word on what what emerges after you know the last sort of thirty minutes that um, came up for you that um, as a result of this conversation that uh, may still be inside of you unexpressed or the last word that uh, you'd like to share with um, the audience. I think I'll just you know thank you thank the audience thank like the that we are that we are having these conversations that we are moving away from we're moving in away from talking about money in an extractive and it's potentially potential profit that includes that usually if it's a excessive profit includes extraction to um Um, I just invite everybody to to find out how to have how to invest their assets um, beyond their energy and personal self and time, any financial assets in things that they love, that they're proud of, and that they can um, they can just be be proud of that contribution of that of that 
chunk of energy into into good things. It's just it's it's a way better way to sleep at night. And and four hundred one ks companies what they allow you to in, in, um, invest your savings in it all all of it all of this money has to just flow into building good things that if you if you put good fertilizer on your garden your mm-hmm. it grows beautiful vegetables that make you healthy <laughs> well who doesn't want to end a conversation on the virtues of compost i love it <laughs> yes Thank thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you, Gino. It's been good. Thank you for listening to The Journey to Impact. If you enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word by subscribing to this series on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends on your favorite social media platform. For a preview of our previous or upcoming episodes, visit www.poetryofimpact.com.